millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to the Fighting on Film podcast, the podcast all about classic and obscure war movies, from the Normandy landings to the days of chivalry and swords. If it's been captured on film, we're going to try and cover it. I'm Robbie of RM Military History. I'm Matthew Moss of Historical Firearms and the Armourer's Bench. Hello there, sorry to interrupt. I wanted to let you know that you can now join our supporting cast over on Patreon. As thanks for your support, you'll be able to help us pick films, submit questions for guests, have first pick on brand new and exclusive merch, and much more. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. Hello, welcome back to Final Film. Merc Month 2 continues with 1988 Mercenary Fighters, and we'll get straight into the production this week. So, it's a canon film again. If you listen to the Platoon Leader episode a few weeks back, You'll be more than clued in on who Canon films are. They're responsible for films like the Delta Force, Missing in Action, all of those diminishing returns, um, Death Wish um, films. This film was directed by Israeli-born Ricky Shellac, whose other directing credits include The Last Winter, uh, set after the Yom Kippur War, um, a ladies' ensemble comedy movie, and Tibiansky, an Israeli war film. And I think this is the only film he did, only film he's done to date, um, that is made outside Israel. So much like Platoon Leader, this film has multiple screenwriters, uh, Bud Schatzel, uh, Dean Schetter, and Andrew Deutsch. Uh, Deutsch contributed to the script of Platoon Leader and River of Death. They're both Michael Dudikoff films. Um, and the third Delta Force film, The Killing Game, which we might cover down the line, Matt. Maybe. Maybe. Delta Force December, if... Oh. if- if you don't want us if to do that, of us want it, please let us know. For God's sake. <laughs> if enough of you want it, we'll do it. Um, <laughs> it's becoming a threat at this point. Becoming a threat, yeah. Look, if you're a good boy this year, you'll get Delta Force December. If you're bad, 
Or you get it, it depends. Seven. It depends what side of the line you fall on. Like if you're good, exactly. you, you won't get it. Or you know, if you like them, if you're good, you will get it. I mean, if you're bad, it's, it's a very subjective. Get, if you're bad, you'll get the Operation Delta Force trilogy, which is worse. Oh, <laughs> yes, my God. <laughs> we have a link to that this week. We do. We do. So the cinematography for this one is by Daniel Schnur, and he worked on the Delta Force again. And 2001's Late Marriage, which was a really big um, Israeli film. Filmed on location in South Africa uh, in November of 1986. And obviously that was a time of apartheid. So Canon were one of the few companies that would go in and secretly film movies there. Um, but I couldn't find anything else about that. And that was just a little tidbit on, a, mm-hmm. on like a review website. Um, and there's nothing about the budget or box office this week because there's just not a lot on this movie. Um, interestingly, it was called Freedom Fighters in some markets, and it was released in February 1988 in the US, and it got a video and theatrical running parts of Europe in 89. Um, in this country, the UK, it was called Freedom Fighters, uh, as the reviews and adverts that I found while researching it uh, refer to it as that. And we have a retro review this week from The Crew Chronicle. Ooh. I know. A regional paper. It's Interesting. Been- ages since we've done a regional because we used to do it as an in-joke but then it became easier just to get the big papers if you're not local to the uk crew is a small town near manchester if that helps anyone so the crew chronicle train station i know amazing train station um so the crew chronicle leads with on the 25th of jan 1989 the hardest choice green movie from Canon Video highlights the long-running battle between corporate greed and ruthless manipulation and the rights of voiceless ones who seek only to live peacefully, but happen to be in areas of interest to the steamrollering multinationals. The all-action movie is set in an unnamed African country where a money-minded dictatorship plans to build a massive hydroelectric plant which would wipe out the lands of the Karubu tribe. The tribe's people stage an uprising and a band of unprincipled mercenaries assent to, uh, to quell it but they encounter a nurse who tries to stop their murderous intentions, and soon one of the men finds himself falling for her. He then has to decide which side he's on. Yeah, that's a good synopsis, actually. I mean, that's pretty much it. That is the film. That is It, it is the classic... Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the classic um, mercenary goes on mission, falls in love with woman, decides being yeah. a merc isn't as good as it looks <clears throat> yeah. and then switches sides it's all a plot and there's a tiny b plot and that's it yeah there's uh, absolutely nothing else for the going best, on actually it yeah. really is yeah um well just to just to explain a little bit more about the plot i mean you mentioned that the ngos and the, the hydroelectric plant but that is all like um context and it's a proper uh, exposition yeah yeah at the very beginning in a press conference um yeah where um, President Lumbala stands up and explains that it's going to really help the country. Um, and then immediately after he's finished doing his press conference, a load of um, press start going, but you've killed people in the in the, yeah. in the the hills and the valleys around where this is going to be. And he's like, no, I haven't. And then his general's like, we have, but it wasn't as bad as you think it was. Yeah. And the journalists have, are, are unsurprisingly not convinced by this no, they're like, hmm, really hmm, mm. i smell bullshit yeah. <laughs> yeah. um and then then um then the plot kind of just goes in a straight line from there doesn't it it really does and we have some one word review this week 
Um, last week was a bit of hit and miss if we were going to get any because no one had seen um, <laughs> Universal Soldier. Maybe more of you have now. Sorry if you had to subject yourself to it. <laughs> <laughs> but this week is kind of no different. We get some fun, some funny one-word reviews. So Carl Glover goes with Reb. That'll come clear in a minute. AD Bond goes with Unsatisfactory. <laughs> Class Lewisink goes with Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. C, 1966, goes with unwatched, and then tall bloke ends with, and he hasn't used spaces, so it counts. Never heard of it. Fair enough. I hadn't until you suggested it, I'll be honest. Um, although, you know, I, I will let the cat out of the bag now. We do have enough for Merkman 3. Oh, God. This ain't over. Merkman 3, <laughs> so very tired. <laughs> uh, we could do Flying Tigers, because that's a Merk film. John Wayne. There's loads of Mac films, Rob. Um, you know, you've got uh, you've got Invasion USA. Yeah, you've true, got true. Um, Under Siege, which yeah, is technically a mercenary Siege. film. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I anyway, mean, Die Hard is technically, isn't it? Technically, yeah. I mean, you could you could make that argument. Yeah, because people are saying that next week's film. We'll talk about it later on in the show. But next week's film isn't a Merc film in some people's eyes, but I think it is. If you're hiring people independently and paying them to do a mission then they, they are have, mercenaries they're from military backgrounds yeah yeah then yeah. they are mercenaries surely that's like the definition yeah. of a merc but anyway yeah anyway maybe matt you should regale us with the cast this week because okay the cast is pretty dang good it's a picture led by peter fonda um, who plays varelli who is the leader of a band of mercenaries hired by president uh, lombala's uh, right hand man uh, colonel uh, kayemba and essentially it, there's a band of mercenaries and then um there's a, a few ancillary characters so peter fonda uh his earliest credit within the sphere of war movies and, and that kind of thing is 12 o'clock high the series in 1964 he was in an episode of that um obviously his early work he's best known for being an easy rider in 69 yep um was later in Killer Force with Telly Savalas in '76. Watched that this week. Um, Brilliant. Yeah, you did, didn't you? Such an odd one. Um, then we had uh, his his last sort of military war movie role came with the last full measure in, in 2019. Oh. Um, yeah. Um, Red Brown, who you, uh, we mentioned in, in uh, the one word reviews, there uh, plays uh, T.J. Christian. Uh, Lots of TV shows, lots of TV films. Um, he was in Uncommon Valor in 1983. Uh, That's next film, everyone. <laughs> spoilers. It's not know. spoilers. We put a blog post up about it. Oh, right, yeah. um, Death of a Soldier, 1986. Um, Fightingonfilm.com, if you haven't checked out our excellent website, which has those blog posts. Uh, and Strike Commando, 1987. Oh. Um, but I think perhaps his best film uh, was Robo War. 1988, <laughs> which I shared the trailer with Rob earlier, and it looks insanely good. Yes, it but, does. Um, it's it. essentially like a Predator ripoff. Yeah. Um, but it's a robot, not an alien. Oh, it looked insane. Yeah. It looked like a fever dream. It looked what, one it, of those movies where the trailer is the best thing about it. Because <laughs> the trailer. I don't know. Shit. I mean, if the trailer is that strong, the film can't be much worse. I don't know. I don't know. It wasn't We're even have so have like Captain America. But in the first, the first pre like Marvel Captain America um, movies, Red Brown. I've got it in my notes, but he might have been. Yeah, I um, think he was. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, but he was also in uh, Flight of the Intruders in mm-hmm. 1991, which is a uh, aviation Vietnam War movie with uh, Danny Glover. Yes. Uh, which is, I think, one for the future. Um, then we got Ron O'Neill, uh, who plays Cliff Taylor, who is the uh, the helicopter pilot um, for the, the the mission. And he was, of course, priest in Superfly and Superfly TNT in 72 and 73. Um, he yeah, was Commander classics. Thurman. Yeah, exactly. He was Commander Thurman in the final countdown in 1980. The the hyper unusual sci-fi war movie mix in which um an aircraft carrier goes back in time yeah. and almost prevents Pearl Harbor. Part uh, war film, part naval propaganda. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Um he was also in Red Dawn and uh he was in an awful lot of uh US TV as well. Um, another recognisable name would be uh, James Mitchum, who was, of course, Robert's son, and he plays uh, Wilson Jeffords, uh, one of the two Jeffords brothers in the film. Yes. Uh, his first war movie credit was The Victors in 1963. Uh, followed that with In Harm's Way in 1965, uh, Ambush Bay in 66, which looks like a solid look at the um, the Philippines in World War Two. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a team of marines going to try and um, help the Filipino resistance. Mickey Rooney in that one as well. Is he? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, you almost bought the DVD. The did, I did. did. Uh, yeah, I saw it on the shelf DVD. and I was like, have I got that at home? And I, I forget <laughs> what ones I've got. So I end up leaving, right. leaving them and then lamenting. Uh, he was in The Leathernecks in 1988, which was a, uh, a Vietnam War movie. And then his final kind of war movie uh, appearance was in The Fatal Mission 1990. Not the Dirty Dozen Fatal Mission, but oh, another one. Another one. Um, I got excited too, Rob. I, I know. know. Um, we got Robert Do... I think it's Do Kui? Do Kui? Do Kui. Do Kui. Yeah. yeah. Then we've got Robert Do Kui as um, Colonel Kiemba, who, again, lots of TV parts, lots of small film roles, uh, including uh, all three of the Robocop movies um, yeah. as, a, as one of the police officers. Uh, Jerry Biggs plays the other Jeffords brother, Mac Jeffords. Again, lots of TV roles. Um, Joanna uh, Weinberg plays uh, the nurse that we mentioned earlier, uh, Ruth Warwick, the nurse. Again, lots of TV roles from about 1980 through to 1999. And then we have uh, Henry Selle, who plays the rebel leader, uh, John Day. And he had a really interesting career. He uh, appeared as... Shaka Zulu in the Shaka Zulu 1986 series uh, and reprised the role again in uh, Shaka Zulu uh, in, in 2001 in another miniseries. Uh, he was in Rage to Kill in 1987, The Last Samurai in 1990, and again, lots of TV, lots of Rage uh, to Kill. film roles. Oh, sure, yes, he was. I watched that the other day. Yeah, he was. Um, Along with um, uh, Oliver Reed. Uh, yeah, and, and, and Yule. Ian yeah, Ian yeah, yeah, that's a that's a fever dream of a film. Yeah, is that is that one for Met Month Three? You think it one would be one for Coup Month? <laughs> one of the rare <laughs> Coup movies. No, it's not. It's um, it's literally like it's it's about ten minutes of Oliver Reed scenes, which you just want more of, and you end mm. up sort of siding with with Oliver Reed because all the other characters are just really annoying. Like the plot of it is, I've gone for the tangent, but the plot of it is a mo- a motorcycle, uh, sorry, a race car driver, a dra- like a drag car driver, yeah, infiltrates an island where a coup's going on to save his right. brother. 
yet somehow he's like an expert in firearms and martial arts, but they never explain how this this race car driver can do all that. And he like right. instigates a, a, a counter coup <laughs> with this with an embedded CIA agent. And but there's a Russian missile base as well, and it's there's just so how, much. Going how is on. this not one for us to cover? <laughs> how is this? Maybe like coup Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that, that does sound crazy. Um, yeah. Then we've got Graham Clark as uh, Wachinski, who appeared in an episode of The New Professionals. Oh, now um, I said about that, the better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he also appeared in the the Fatal Mission uh, in 1990, which I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, he was also in Red Scorpion in 1988, and he was Gennaro in The Wild Geese in 1978. Yay! Nice wild geese reference. Mm. Um, Robert Whitehead played uh, Pardo or Pardu. Um, he was also in Shaka Zulu, the 1986 series. Uh, he was in The Hostage in the same year. He appeared in Operation Delta Force 2 May Day in 1997. Yes. Got that on the that, shelf. <laughs> there's that Operation Delta Force uh, link. And of course, he was also the Iraqi colonel in Bravo 2 0 in 1999. Wow. Classic if you this week. Caught our episode on Bravo Two Zero. Definitely want to go back. Yeah. Go head to fightingonfilm.com, put it in the search function, it'll pop right up. Loads, um, of, loads of classics being mentioned this week. A really, a really good episode. Um, and that essentially rounds out cast. Um there's a, a few ancillary characters around the edge, but they don't really do much. And even some of the main cast don't really have a lot to do <laughs> no. with the film. It's, it's classic canon getting in names and then barely using them yeah james <laughs> mitchum has Mitchum's... about four lines yeah he really does even ron o'neill's not used until the end very much um and fonda's just sort of although fonda... he's the most likable character in the he film he is yeah fonda just glides through this movie it's incredible we'll talk more about him as we go on um interesting enough did you know that richard keel turned down apparently turned down the lead role I did. I I uh, I saw he mentions the film in um, his biography. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I couldn't have seen that myself. No. No. I could have seen him as like one of the mercs. I mean, they <clears throat> as as the Varelli character, or mm. as yeah, mm. I think that's what, what it was, wasn't it? Well, interestingly, the the Varelli character has that leg brace. Yeah. So they're trying to give him some kind of like injured background, Backstory. and I suppose. Yeah. I suppose the imposing um, size of, of Keel would have worked. Would have. Well, Peter Fonda is just great in it, though. He is good. Yeah, and he looks great in Tiger Stripe. He, oh, and um, talking of Tiger Stripe, maybe we should go on to the Alley Tally this week. You did the link that I was just about to do. It's time for Alley Tally on Fighting on Film. So Rob, Ali Tally, this week, what do you think? Gosh, there's so much going on in this one. And this is one of the reasons that I originally pitched it um, many months ago when we talked about doing that month too. Mm. Because it's such an interesting array of kit in this movie. And I think whether intentional or not, like it does build some really good headcanon. So yeah. I'm going to lead off with um, the MPs of the unnamed nation um of and but the capital's called Shinkaza. 
Um, they have white painted British turtle shell helmets. I think the country's called Chinkaza. The country's called Chinkaza. Yeah, they're not quite. They don't quite explain that very much in the film, which could have helped. Well, a you get bit. that first like five minutes of yeah. context and exposition, and that. That's and that's it. literally it. Yeah. Mm. Um, and they have like you know, as I say, the turtle shell late World War Two era painted uh, helmets with MP on them. Then the rebel um, Karubu tribe, they have like SMLEs and fowls, or yes. maybe some SLRs. And then the Bedford trucks and Land Rovers used later on. For me, say this country's gone through like post-colonial issues. Yeah, yeah. I really obviously like it. it's been formerly I, a British know, colony. I understand that I'm putting, it could just, you know, just be... They're all in DPM rare, as well. Rand, DPM, yeah. Rare 60... I think it's like 63 pattern like, or very early DPM when they just mm. switched from the car- olive drab yeah. collared version, like like third pats, British third pats. Yeah. Essentially. Another one you mean. Into DPM with the collar. They're quite rare. Um, but then there's only a few of them. But I'm putting a lot of headcanon into this canon film. <laughs> <laughs> I know I am, but I like that. But yeah, the SMLEs are lovely to see. Um, the one that the the Caribbean leader uses has its magazine cut off missing. If you it did, that. yeah, I noticed that, yeah. That was cool. Um, There's one number four in there as well. Like when he gets four? shot, yeah. spoilers, um, <laughs> that one of the guys that comes to like carry him off has a number four. Mm-hmm. I like that. And then they have like birthday carbines and labels at certain mm. points. So do, do you know such... what? There's actually a long Lee in there as well. Is there? Gee. So in the final battle, when there's that guy with the um, GPMG, the FN mag, he's firing yeah. into like the tree line. A dude runs up behind him with a very long rifle. Oh gosh! Puts it against his back and fires like point blank range. Yeah, that is a. I think it might it might actually be a charger loading Lee Enfield. Wow, long Lee. Yeah, so there's just Which... so much going on. Yeah, and obviously he filmed in South Africa, so there's just going to be a random amount of weapons going around. I'm sure they were quite limited in what they could use. Um, and we'll talk a bit more about the mad array of weapons, the Mercs use. Yeah. Um, but I really liked that. It really gave the film some um, some really cool... It just elevated it. It made me think a lot more about, you know, post-colonial Africa and how all those weapons are just sloshing around and they get used mm. by who they get used by. Um, I just thought it was really interesting to mention. Mm. Just thought I'd really like that. Yeah, go on, Matt, you, your turn, because there's so much in this Alley Tally this week. Oh, in terms of weapons, it's insane. Like, I mean, we mentioned SMLEs and Lee Enfields. There's actually, um, I looking at the ambush towards the end of the film, yeah, and where the ambush, the the, the column and blow up those beddies. Um, there's there's like one or two dudes running around with Martini Henry carbines. Yeah, yeah, there is as yeah. well, and and that's kind of, I mean, it makes complete sense. It was filmed in South Africa, yeah. So there's lots of this sort of stuff floating around about, um, yeah. But uh, in terms of other like really cool, interesting stuff that turns up, Peter Fonda's character Varelli is cutting about with a really overpowered OP rotary shot um, grenade launcher. Yeah. So you're introduced to this, and they're in the back of a helicopter chasing some rebels, and they go into a cave, and he fires just like two rounds out of this forty millimeter grenade launcher, and it entirely destroys the hillside. <laughs> Like, it's, yeah, like the, it's like the grenades going off in wind talkers. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, and it seems to have like variable yield because, like later in like um, the the scene where they're in one of the villages, 
he fires it at a, at a um, like a little hut. Yeah. He just sets it on fire. Yes, yeah, great. Five minutes before, we've seen it destroy a hillside. Yes, and then next, it's just setting the the building on fire just enough for the the, the stunt man in a gel suit to come like flailing out of the it's building on fire. <laughs> Um, but that's a Milcor L, uh, MGL, which Ooh, nice. is um, at the time is was a very new piece of kit. It only sort of came onto the market in about eighty three, eighty four. So this oh, film right. was made in eighty eight, so it's brand yeah. new. And it also has one of those really cool um, Armsome OEG um, red dot sights, which is it's not like a true red dot sight. You can't see through it. It just projects a red dot. It's that one that um, Ian Yule had in I get uh, it. Wild yeah. Geese. Yeah, it so tricks it's the you one thinking where you're seeing it. It tricks you to seeing a red dot. Um yeah. because you're you've got both eyes open, you're looking at the um the site. There's nothing to see through the site, it's just a red dot projected. Um and your your like your brain fools you into projecting a, a red dot. Um, he never uses it on your targets. <laughs> he never uses it. Never but it's on on there. And they're apparently there. sold with them, um, which is wow. really cool. I um, like the simulated recoil that Peter Fonda does. It's really good. <laughs> I, I love the simulated pistol recoil that um, uh, Ken Kimber does yeah, with, with, with the with the pistol. He's like, when he yeah, it's like it's, his what, it's a bit super fly, isn't it? Like shooting a big. Yeah, yeah I'm not, it's no, good. he's not the he's not the same dude that played uh, Superfly. It was in Superfly, but it's that very like police style shooting. You know what I mean. Yeah, like it's, it's like eighties eighties revolver teacup. That's it on the yeah. on the on the revolver. Great. It's just a little thirty eight. It's it it's not like a three fifty seven Magnum or a forty four no. Magnum. It's he not exactly like it is um, though. Day Harry, but yeah, he is. It's um, great. There's loads of interesting stuff in this film. So um, there's even a Belgian uh, Virginon SMG that tends a book a couple of times. <laughs> you can recognize them by they have like a super long barrel, yeah, um, a little wire stock, and then a couple of um, like heat fins cut into the rear of the barrel. Yeah, that's it. Um, they're very recognizable. And then Rob mentioned as as soon as he watched the film, he was like, "There's a lot of Beretta M938s in this." <laughs> it's so fucking weird. And there they, are. They turn up. And they don't obviously mm-hmm. have any kit on them, so they're gonna get equipped in country. And I obviously I think, well, you know, most Merc movies don't really mention that, but it, you know, the people you're working for would want you to use indigenous weapons so they can deny yeah. you there. So when he goes, well, you know, where's the weapons to Kemba? They open up this like wooden chest and it's just full of like Barrera MP38s <laughs> and these weird like Mac 10, I couldn't work if they were Mac 10 or 11s with these massively like uh prop store built up yeah. barrels on them which turns them into the, little, the version like a of the film line. i watched i couldn't make out exactly what they were because well, they're either like micro uzis with the extension on or they're um maybe they're star um um z84s perhaps or something like that i don't yeah. know um i couldn't make other, it up it could be a other, too. I, I don't know what the what it is but i think it's like a a later Italian type submachine gun with the, the foregrip on the end. I can't remember what that's called. A check thing. Oh yeah, the uh, the SA twenty three. Yeah, that's it. Like, yeah. I would never can remember what that's called. Yeah, but there's yeah. a great line that um, I think it's Biggs says, and he looks at the camera and he goes, "Guy, you've done sure pissed off some creator of a museum with <laughs> <Loving> these weapons." <laughs> and it's a great line. And they just take it to these guns like they're nothing. Like I'm like brilliant. It's just so weird to see. 
There's even like, a Stenmark 2 at the Stenmark end. There's a Stenmark 2 at the end. It doesn't get used. Just like, carrying Ron, it around. Ron O'Neill gets hit in the face by a Stenmark 2. <laughs> it's brilliant, yeah. <laughs> oh, and did you see the foul mocked up to look like a Lewis gun near the end? Oh, yeah. Of course I did. <laughs> I didn't of course know I saw see, that. I didn't Horrendous. know you'd see it. So, yeah, so there's the weird mocked-up Lewis gun, which has got the Lewis gun shroud and the pan magazine on the top, but also in some scenes, it's got, like, a belt flapping around at the side. It's so weird. And then in another shot, you can clearly see that it's either, like, a FAL or a G3 mocked up. It's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. And then in front of it, it's got, like, a... There's, a there's like, a um, MG08 Maxim gun propped up on some sandbags that isn't used, but it's just there to get blown up. Yeah. Um, I love it. So I mean, some of, the, some of the other weird stuff in there. There's there's a fairly early like Type One AK forty seven in there. Yeah, um, yeah. There's only two of them in the whole film. Yeah, there is. Um, there's there's a VZ fifty eight, which is like yep. the um, the Czech AK um, because it isn't an AK because Czechoslovakia were like, you know what? No, we're not having the AK. We'll make our we've, own. We're going our own way, um, and they are beautiful guns. But yeah, so um, Kimber at the end kind of has it and. Um, I mean, we've got to mention, like, Taylor's epic spear throw that kills oh, Buddy. It's great. That's surely a it's reference to... Taylor with to... the spear, and he just, like, nails him against yeah. a, Huey, a Huey. That's surely a reference to Seller being um, in Zulu, in Chaka Zulu. That's surely a reference yeah. to that. Yeah, it could be, couldn't it? Yeah, it's... Yeah. There's there's all sorts of other things in there like there's there's a weird bazooka in the ambush. God knows what that was on both sides, and it's it a looks like an M20 super bazooka, but it's not. It's I, not. I, yeah, it might it's be some other unusual variant that I'm I'm not familiar with. But there's it's, like a, a knee fired mortar <laughs> at one stage. Yeah. It's great. Like there's so much going on, um, and it's not. Fonda's like a... got a Breton 92 at one point. Yeah, love it. And um, I, but I also coming off like that, mentioning Fonda, but I kind of like how they're all dressed. Mm, so Fonda's got a little bit of style. Yeah, they it? do. Fonda's got his tiger stripe, and he's got like this sort of eighties style, like leather utility rig on his belt. Um, and that's because they mentioned he was in Vietnam really late on. Mm. Like I think someone else mentions he's in Nam. Yeah, I think it's um, Ron O'Neill's character Taylor that says it. in it. He's we all said he had nine lives in Vietnam. That's it. Yeah. Um, and he's got his tiger stripe, which is really cool. Um, and didn't you mention his beret is an actually real beret, not a military <laughs> it is, one? Yeah, it's got a cat badge on it, but yeah. it's actually got like one, you know, the little stalk that's on the top yeah. of the beret. I like to think that's intentional. I like to think I that's so. fully intentional. Yeah. Um, James Mitchum though looks cool as fuck with his beard and his shades and his like cowboy type like safari hat and this mm. shotgun vest and like a metal band t-shirt on. <laughs> He just looks so fucking cool. Like him and his brother in it, for me, are the most interesting characters in it because they're just mercenaries. They don't give a shit like what they're yeah. doing. They just want the money. They don't care. Um, I really wanted more of them. But they look like mercs, like that I would have... They look like 80s mercs. When I think of they're 80s They're in Chop mercs, Chip at one point, aren't they, as well? Yeah, there's t- two other dudes are in Chop Chip. Camo, That's it, yeah. Um, which is a bit pa- weird. Pardu, I think, is one yeah. of them. Well, they have so chip, little screen time, I forget they're in oh, I know. the movie. I, it's, it's one of the film's flaws. Like, there's, you know, these are character actors that have been in lots of films and TV work that, that yeah. could easily carry more than, you know, a few lines in a scene. Definitely. Um, but they don't get much. No, they which don't. Which is a bit of a shame. I mean, not even Mitchum gets much to do, and he's no, he does accomplished actors in the movie as yeah. well. Um, and Brett Brown is, is perfectly competent. And he gets his Rambo moment with his with his um 
with with the captured grenade launcher and the FN Mac yeah. that he gets to use a machine gun. So he has more than more than enough um, Rambo moments. He but, he's a little clunky though. Um, yeah, he, I don't he, think the he dialogue's... doesn't make me want to like root for his character. So the, um, the dialogue's not. We'll talk about it later, I think. But like, yeah, there's not much going on in the dialogue. I think sometimes. Um, just before I'm done with the alley tally, just got to mention seeing a, a Bedford RL getting blown up is always fun. Classic trope. A wild geese, that's like the wild geese, just getting blown up the Bedford RLs. Classic <laughs> trope. Classic trope. Um, and we have Land Rovers, and, and there's a Mutt Jeep in there that get blown up too, which is quite cool. Uh, is that what? What? What, what, does, what does the um, the Nairs drive? I, oh, I think it's just. I think it's just like a eighties Jeep. Is it a Toyota? It might have been. Oh, I'm sure. Really. Anyway, oh Bedford blind. Um, so I know. I know. Yeah, I was too busy being. You know, in awe of the um, the sheer plethora, oh, insane amount of it's random so stuff that turns up. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, that's why. That's one of the reasons I love this movie because it's just unashamedly random with its weaponry. It truly is. I mean, going from a Sten Mark II to a mocked up Lewis gun to um, a Milcor, Robert Mitchum absolutely a Virgin on. Laying fire uh, down with a parafowl at one stage, yeah. which is so yeah, cool. Is. Should we move on to favourite scenes and we can talk about some of the set pieces? I think we should. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Favourite scene? Uh, I think my favourite scene is where um, Varelli, Fonda's character, helicopters in a load of prostitutes that then watch the guys <laughs> frolic in the river. That. So last week, you regale us with that weird rectal exam from universal soldier and this week i knew i knew the minute you saw the dirty dozen-esque prostitute scene <laughs> i knew you were going to bring it up i don't want to sap my vital juices <laughs> so, it, it, it's a scene that kills the film dead this is this film's like um cave sequence from uh, Return oh, of the Jedi. <laughs> this I'm, is yeah, this film it, it truly is, yeah. <laughs> um no, that isn't my favorite, but it's it is um I like to think of it as a, a humble homage to um, I hope Death it Doom. is. Yeah. <laughs> um um I think my favorite scene is perhaps where um Kimber 
um, threatens to shoot Fonda's character. Yes, so, that's um, a good scene. They have been uh, in in the field. They've shot a journalist because you know it's a Mac movie. Um, mm-hmm. The journalist took photographs of um, the government shooting uh, some villagers, some civilians yeah. uh, in cold blood, trying to find out where um, the rebel leader is hiding out. And uh, the nurse, t- like, um, she sees this going on. She tries to stop it. She tries to, um, she has a great scene, actually. That is a really, like, strong sequence where she, like, um, she berates him. Then he slaps her. She gets up hard as nails, slaps yeah, yeah. him back. Yeah, it's great. It's good. <laughs> um, and then um, Reb's character um, essentially uh, prevents her from being killed. Yeah, and- it does, yeah. Fonda backs him, but also when they get back to camp, he's like, "Do not cost me the you know, this <laughs> Don't mission." Don't ever morning. do that again. Yeah. yeah, um, because he has this face-off with um Kimber, yes, where um he slots a, a round into a thirty-eight revolver and basically flicks it into the into the frame and plays Russian roulette, kind of forced Russian roulette, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Um, and points the gun at him, uh, and they have this little back and forth about um. I'm I'm the boss. Don't let your men do that again. I will kill you. Um, and then Fonda, cool as fuck, cool as you like. Um, he agrees, finishes the conversation, and then while looking him in the eye, lifts up an M26 grenade and puts the pin back in it. Oh, it's cold. You know, implying that if you had shot me, you would have gone too. Icy cold. Very Those cold. Two play off each other really well. They do. It's they a great really scene. Do um, that's what I think. One of the few things this movie really has going for it is that the two the the main well they're kind of two antagonists really um mm. but the two main sort of characters apart from tj red brown um are quite strong and they do play off each other because they're both powerful characters who live for power and money and they both kind of want the same thing mm-hmm. so they they are they they do butt heads i do like that yeah. scene it's very much i just love the way he just points the gun at Fonda and Fonda's just sitting there like just doesn't care just doesn't give yeah. a shit yeah 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 he's very good in that scene very good it's one of the better scenes in the whole film I think as I say he just glides through this movie he's just mm. it's so effortless I read a yeah. review that said it it's like he's just um, got off from surfing a big wave and smoked the fattest zoot you've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> I mean anything is possible I know right <laughs> what was your favourite scene I kind of just like the government column ambush because it's that just good. unashamedly brash and massive and over the top. Mm. There's seemingly hundreds of Karubu rebels coming off of the hillside with, as we said in the alley tally, with the maddest plethora of weapons to knock out about 20 lads in a bed RL and a, <laughs> one of those, and a, I think I can't remember the make of the other van, but um, yeah, they just absolutely muller this column. Next book. Starts off with a with a um, uh, like a, a mine in the road. Yeah, um, classic. The um, the rebel leader sort of directs his forces to open up with various yeah. different weapons and then to attack. And it, it's quite well shot. The it's quite well have seen that scene in um, A Bridge Too Far, where they knock out the first tank and they knock out the second tank. Yeah, they've seen yeah. that scene. Yeah. There wasn't a dude that you know ran into the field with a pit and got blown up though so <laughs> no it wasn't um, no. 
If a Peter turned up in this movie, I wouldn't have been surprised, though. It would have been totally believable. <laughs> it, really in the, it would have not been out of place with no. the rest of the plethora of stuff that is, is equipping the, both sides. I also quite like it because it does show that the mercs aren't unbeatable because it builds them up as this sort of like clandestine, yeah. we can do anything we want type force early on where they do just muller a couple of lads for running away from their yeah, helicopter, the which helicopter. is just a bit out of place. Um, but it, I do like it because they do get absolutely turned over. Um, and it's the it's the scene that breaks the camel's back because I think Kemba realises that the coup's not going to be easy mm-hmm. um, and he really needs to have um, the help of uh, Fonda's character because he can bring in more mercenaries yeah. to, to get the job done. Um, yeah, I do like that sequence. It is good. It's just well shot. It, it, it's obviously, mm. you know, canon, as we saw in Platoon Leader, which I think probably had there's more a, budget than there's this. A, there's Sorry. a nicely, like, um, framed shot where Reb gets up onto a, the Jeep and pulls the um, uh, an FM mag off a coax. Yeah, that's cool. Um, a pintle mount, sorry. And he, he does the whole Rambo thing and then, a, a, like, a mortar round goes off behind yeah, it's him. so stay- that, that That's classic. like a promotional shot of film that's, really, like, used in the poster. Um, such a great it's shot. It's exactly the same as the, the shot in um, Platoon Leader where the RPG hits the uh, observation tower. Yes. Right behind um, Mac as he's firing. Yes, it really, really is. <laughs> it, must be a, it must be a canon film's requirement. It must be, yeah. I mean, it's just, as I said, like, it's it's fine. Like, and this, I do, I also I like the sequence that sets up the Mercs. It's not as good as the interview scene in World Geese where mm. they, they sort of introduce mm. everyone that way. Yeah. But it's it's good enough. Like you've got these two, the two, I would, I'd just call them like the sort of nameless mercenaries um, he, that wear the chop chip camo that you don't really hear yeah. a lot from. They're in some, and the scene, this scene for me was ripped entirely off the start of the Dogs of War when they're escaping that war zone in the in the jeep oh in nicaragua yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's like, it's so there's like a whole it's... little sequence in nicaragua isn't there <laughs> yeah I completely forgot about that exactly yeah like one of the strongest parts of that movie <laughs> um well no the movie great anyway but anyway yeah dogs of war we did work up we reviewed that one a couple of years ago um with uh matt's mate vic tough on the on the we website did. um so that that scene for me like meeting those two mercs in their jeep really is riffed off of that and they get blown up but Peter Fonda just comes out of the smoke, <laughs> leans down and he goes, hey, guys, do you want to come, do you want to come work for me in, in Africa? We've got some money for you. It's like, how how are you just gliding through this war zone? It's just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you've got like TJ and um, uh, Ron O'Neill's character. They're um, living almost together. Like yeah, they're, they're, sort the, of, they're in it, business it, together. It's kind of like a yeah. There's like a, um, uh, I suppose like a there's a friendship there, but there's also a, a sort of um, um, it just sets up their bond for later in the movie. Yeah, there's a bond, yeah. and there's there's a, an almost like mentory type. That's it. Feel to yeah. it with Reb, uh, being the younger of the two, yeah. and and um, Taylor comes home. Yeah, because it also like tells him he's got they've got the job, um, brings him along kind of thing. Yeah, because the whole sequence as well of getting these guys in one place just reminds me as well of the film we're going to cover next week, Uncommon Valor. It's almost ripped off of that where Gene Hackman's going around gathering all the the guys up and it like right. sets up what they're doing, um, but in a different way. 
but we'll talk about that next week. Don't want to jump the gun. Um, but yeah, I like that. It, you know, it sets up Mitchum and his brother as these sort of wild guys because they fly in and they they land a, a plane on top of a bus to get. Oh, that's not that's not them. That's um, not, that's the other. Oh, is that the other? Yeah, dudes? yeah, that's Pardue who oh. lands on the roof and like that's my brother who flies off and you never see him again. Oh, that's it. Yeah, um, oh, I can't remember. How, I can't. I can't actually remember how. Mitchum and I think, his, I think, I think it, Mitchum, Mitchum and his brother are in Nicaragua, aren't they? Is that not them? No, that's not them. That's those the flying dudes. Oh, it's the other. No, it's not. Who the is hell it? are those blokes then? Are they the two in Chuck Chip? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, so yeah. Pardue's different. It's a, This is the problem with the film. Yeah, moving into final thoughts here. Yeah, this is the problem with the film. It's might be a bit of a There's short so... episode. <laughs> <laughs> There's so little. It depends how long we go on. So it depends. Um, I was going to say. So there's so little character development and um, interpersonal scenes with yeah. the actual mercenaries themselves, which is par for the course with a lot of these films and a lot of action movies of, of the of the ilk and you know uh, mm. can. Yeah. Um, but really, the film would benefit from a little bit more because we don't really feel anything for any of the characters. That's his biggest and, issue. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that isn't always the point with these films. No, but of it, course it's not. Good filmmaking can lift even like the most um popcorn of movies. Well look at Platoon Leader. Like that's that for me is like I know people Yeah, you end up caring shit. about Mac yeah, when he gets wounded the, and some of the other guys. Yeah, everything else about that movie is elevated through the amazing cinematography it doesn't deserve. <laughs> um, yeah, true. To make that film. And a little bit of plot development from the yeah, two main characters. And, and characters that, like Dudikoff and the guy that played McNamara, McNamara they they riff off each other really well. Mm. But, and, and the movie's stronger for me. It, you know, this film, uh, Mercenary Fighters, is stronger when Fonda um, and... Uh, Don Quee are together, not when TJ, not when Red Brown yes. and the nurse character are together. I think it would have been, I think it would have been more interesting if if those two actors had played um, Taylor and um, Reb's characters, Christian's yeah. character. Sorry, yeah, maybe, um, perhaps, yeah. Um, and Fonda had been the mech that flips, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. Them. Yeah, he would. Uh, there would have been. I mean, the chemistry between um, between uh, Ron O'Neill and Red Brown isn't bad. I, I just, it just feels very flat. Yeah, they, um, they don't buy them. They're not like cracking jokes. They're not together enough no. um, in the no. movie for their relationship to sort of, you know, their friendship to ring true. Um, mm-hmm. And then this is where the movie falls apart. So, and we are probably deep in final thoughts territory. It is problem is, folks, this week it is a real sort of hour and a half that. It's not a quick film by any imagination. The the pacing is a little bit off in, at times, but mm. it's perfectly watchable. It's a fun canon straight to video movie that you can enjoy for yeah. what it is. Um, but the, it really falls apart in the last twenty minutes because it wants to keep the momentum of the big um, ambush sequence going, but then it wants to finally bring in the plot of. TJ having this revelation that he doesn't want to be a mercenary anymore. He just wants to leave. Yes. Um, or or so he's wounded. the Karubu tribe. Yeah. He's wounded. And then somehow 
because he's been to the rebel village with um Joanna Weinberg's character the nurse yeah um he's met the rebel leader they've had a bit of witty repartee that's it um and uh the, the rebel leader offers him a couple of cows to to join his forces and yeah they laugh um and yeah, somehow discussion about you know why do you kill women and children very yes. briefly and it's a good scene and it i would have good, liked a yeah. little bit more of you know henry um seller's character yeah same here uh, john day um but the problem is uh red brown's character is then taken to um the rebel leader when he's been mortally wounded yeah and he kind of anoints him as the new leader it comes and, really out of nowhere and it's just like what why yeah. would why would these you know embattled people except Wanted, yeah a white mercenary who had been killing and it not them 20 minutes a couple before, of days before. <laughs> yeah because he, he just gunned down in that ambush scene in the ambush. Well, he's more than happy to oh, be yeah. people down with that and that's, that, and that's that my biggest crux that's my biggest problem with the movie is that he never once goes oh, i shouldn't be killing him he no, doesn't really he do has, that. He has moments of doubt where he sees like someone yeah. on fire or the civilians get murdered or the woman he fancies about to get shot in the back. Um, but at no point does he go, you know what, I should probably just stop killing people. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. It's like he's just, he has no moral compass and he gets separated from Peter Fonda and the boys yeah. and gets turned around and, you know, she... The, the rebel Maybe he leader just took a massive bang on the head when he got blown Maybe. up in that. He did have concussion at that point. <laughs> yeah. Um, just kind of turn him around and point him in the direction of the mercenaries. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's a and let him odd. go, and he just carries on killing people. Yeah. Um, which I suppose is a mercenary trait, which is fair, but I don't think the film is aiming to make a commentary on. No, the it's not lack of moral compass no. of the main character. But but then the whole the whole thing about TJ changing is really. Oh, it just switches on a dime and then he convinces um i'm gonna say ron o'neill again i forgot his character's name um all the cliff time taylor. Cliff, cliff taylor cliff taylor that's it they don't say their names a lot in the movie no, either they don't. <laughs> which isn't well, i know they don't do it in movies very often but sometimes like i didn't know i didn't know that the brothers were called the jeffords i had no so, idea um, until yeah. i looked at the credit list so you know i kept getting the two confused because they look very similar and are dressed quite similar mm. i mean anyway but the whole thing of so TJ won't leave without the nurse or he wants to get the nurse because she's worried. He's worried about her. Yeah. Um, she's been so, captured by that's it. the mercenaries. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's confusing. <laughs> it's confusing. Right. So yeah. he then asks uh, CJ to take the helicopter to go and get her. So CJ's just prepping the helicopter um, after the big no, Taylor's Taylor's prepping the, the Taylor's the prepping the helicopter. helicopter. Red Brown is CJ. Red Brown TJ, TJ, sorry. My God. Yeah. So the helicopter's being prepped by the helicopter pilot man. Okay. I'm going to explain it like... You're not confused. I'm, explain like listeners. I'm five, right? You're doing well. <laughs> right. So then Mitchum and his brother come over and they're like, what are you doing with the helicopter? Mm. And he's like, oh, I'm just, just taking it out for a spin or something. Yeah. And they start... They get really angry and start beating him up. Like, you can't take this helicopter. I'm sitting there like, what the fuck do you care? Like, yeah. you've just done your yeah. mission. You, you're having a bit of a rest in between firefights now, lads. There, there's no motive that's been established. So yeah, it's not they like don't they've... even know that they don't even know that TJ's alive. 
No, and they haven't had they haven't overheard a conversation because they're like, they oh, are you going to go and find your friend? I'm like, yeah. Well, why would you attack him then? Why'd you? Yeah, but but it's like there's a scene missing where Fonda yeah. goes, look, he's with the Karubus now. Look, he's yeah. I saw them with him. It's like there's a little missing sequence where mm, someone perhaps. sees him with them. Like and probably not even in the script ever, but it feels like there no. needs to be a little bit where, because Fonda knows the score now. At that point in the movie, Fonda knows that Kiemba is planning to overthrow the government himself with the yeah. army and instigate a coup. So Fonda's like, "Hey, we could get in on this and just make a load of bank, lads." Like, what do you think about it? Mm-hmm. But that comes after. That comes after the the first initial in, um, fight with CJ for the helicopter to go and get the nurse mm. that happens after that it feels like it should yeah. start before that it just feels like editing maybe got wrong and that scene if that scene comes first and i'm putting a lot of and i'm putting a lot of effort into making the end of this nothing canon <laughs> film work right but after universal soldier <laughs> i'm trying to make the fucking <laughs> film work right <laughs> so <laughs> have the bit where they find the coup's gonna happen then cj could be like Oh shit! They, you know, they're totally gonna kill all the Karubus now. Like, if they yeah. want power, they're gonna have to liquidate them all. Oh my god! I need to help them. Like, this is bad. I didn't sign up for this. Mm. I just signed up so an electrical plant could be built. That could be his thing. Yeah. Then, once all the lads are on board with Fonda and his mission of now being in with Kimba, then they could get angry about him taking the helicopters. Go, you can't look. We need that helicopter. You can't take it. What the hell are you doing? And then that whole end bit could start. It's yeah. just. The movie it makes no sense for these guys to do what they do at the end, <laughs> and that's yes, where it falls apart. Well, well, <clears throat> my main quibble with the end of the film is that it's like there's the showdown and the rebels and TJ attack the compound, um, and then Varelli Fonda's character has got the nurse Ruth at gunpoint, um. He's winged by uh, Taylor's character who puts a few rounds in him towards yeah. him, nicks him. And then it's kind of shown that TJ fires the Milcor grenade launcher on low power mode, obviously, because it doesn't like nuke the camp. Um, <laughs> he said from him. stun to kill. <laughs> from kill to stun. <laughs> um, he fires two rounds out of that at him. And then the that's stone. it. You don't see Peter Fonda's death. No, you don't. He just it's, jumped, it's a, jumps super, out of the way. Um, it's a really unambiguous, sorry, it's a really ambiguous, I should say, death in that it doesn't give you a you know closure on that character. We get decent closure with Kiimba's character because um, Ron O'Neill's character, Cliff Taylor, nails him with a spear, which is great. He goes to that little um, yeah. Bell Huey, didn't he? He goes to that little yeah, he Bell does. helicopter. Yeah, it's great. Kind of face plants into the windscreen. Um, it's great. And it, it's just, it doesn't resolve the film well. Because no. the next next shot, you see them running for a helicopter. I don't know why they're running for the helicopter. All the baddies are mostly dead. Oh, no. They run to a helicopter, take off, and TJ is like there with the grenade launcher, almost like look like he's looking around for, for targets. And then... <laughs> It, you know, it's got to be a red a mist. Very, it's a very like, like it's a hard cut. Yeah, that was the word I was looking for. A very hard cut 
to a railway station and they're in the civvies like oh come and visit me when you're in the states and we'll have beer and and then they just get on the train and go and then Bye. some dude from the from the army comes up and hands them both an envelope and says don't come back to the country and then yeah. you get on the train and they like, go here's your, here's your blood money leave yeah you know? yeah it just it's it's almost as unfulfilling as on universal soldiers ending was oh god um, yeah which yeah. goes down as possibly one of the worst I've ever seen, but yeah, it, it, but that's general, not to say it, it just kind of lets the film down. It does let the side down the ending, but that's not to say I don't like it for what it is because it's like a bit of yeah. as with Platoon Leader. If you can work around its foibles, these canon movies mm-hmm. for me are like comfort films. I know exactly what I'm going to get. I'm going to get explosions. I'm going to get a clear villain. I'm going to get. A like a clear like character I could root for, even if the dialogue isn't fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get explosions, gunfire, and it's all be wrapped up in about under two hours, which is perfect. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, and you something you get decent performances out. But it's of no actors. commando, though, is it, Rob? It's no commando. It's no wild geese. It's no dogs of war. But it's still kind of good and fun. It's all right. It's it's you it's know. fair to middling. It's okay. Yeah, uh, it's better exactly. than Universal Soldier. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like um it's, it's like a really sugary treat. Like you like you know you shouldn't really have, but it, it tastes so good you can't stop yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I, think, I know what you that, mean. I think that makes um, sense. Also, my other my other critique of the film is that some of the hyper eighties synth score is a bit out of place. It really doesn't make sense. Um, it's like someone set up a Sega Mega Drive and just click play on any game yeah. and use the yeah. soundtrack. There's, there's bits where it's just, this doesn't make sense at all. There's some very odd music to the prostitutes watching the guys frolic in the river scene. It's a bit weird. That seems weird. I didn't need it to see weird. half nude like James Mitchum. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bit yeah, too one, much. One dude is naked. But that leads into that sequence where the nurse takes him to see the rebels, and that's interesting. It shows a bit of their just cut a prostitute scene out. It doesn't serve yeah, the like, you don't need that. They could have just had him swimming in the river, and she arrives, and he's like, yeah. "Oh hi, how are you?" Like, yeah, yeah. do you want to come and like check out the rebel village? It like me? blunts the merc friend. It, it, it blunts the effectiveness of that sequence of making you care about the Karubus. Yes, because uh, I was just sitting there yeah. going, well, "Hang on, what are we doing with all this?" prostitutes like five seconds ago well it's great just watching this mech go and other a load of you know local people yeah because he yeah. just he just gets led around the 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 karubu uh village yeah. and he's just like oh well that's that looks a bit unusual what are they doing here and oh yeah and he kind of just like they don't give him enough agency they don't give him enough to no, say or think you know he's meant to be quite one-dimensional but you can't have him one-dimensional if he's gonna have this change it's like what we were saying about universal soldier last week if you don't have a strong enough scene or a yeah. strong enough thing affecting your character to show the change mm. the audience won't feel it as well it's like basic storytelling <laughs> have something affect the character about yeah. half an hour 40 minutes in for them to change but we don't really yes. get a change the change for tj should have been when he saw the journalists get killed and when he saw those people gunned down and it, yeah, almost it kind happens. of begins there, but it, it, he doesn't but it, have the big flip change because of the yeah. dialogue that comes later on, which shows that he isn't that bothered. No, I'll pick and, up a and Beretta and start going. 
ham. Yeah, and, and there's there's a kind of an issue where he encounters with the uh, the nurse again at the um, the railway station. She's having like trouble with a customs dude about some medical supplies. Yeah, and he's all pally with him. Yeah, I know, right? He, he threatens he threatens another you know person in this country with a revolver which is exactly what he's been doing every time she sees him he, yeah he's been pointing guns at people you know civilians um and this time she's all like oh well gee thanks thanks for your help getting you know sorting that out for me um exactly. flats in the next sequence we see each other yeah <laughs> and yeah. that's it it's just it's a her character she's perfectly competent the actress uh joanna weinberg Oh yeah, that's um, the thing. It's annoying that the cast is completely competent. The script just well, lets it de- itself down. Exactly. Yeah, but anyway, and I think on that note, we've kind of, I think we've exhausted Mercenary Fighters. Yeah, yeah. much like <laughs> much like probably many copies of Mercenary Fighters on VHS now, it's very yes. exhausted. And you can Heavily find this worn. one online if you search hard enough. Um, it's, I think it's it is there. out on DVD as well. Yeah, it's very hard to get on DVD. Actually, it's one of those. I ones believe that so. It's quite expensive, but it is out there. It's out there. And talking of films that are hard to get on DVD, <laughs> next week's film is 1983's Uncommon Valor. And a, and a little fun fact for you, you foff listeners out there, if you're still listening, that movie was only put onto DVD in 2017. What? I know. A Gene Hackman movie. Yeah, put on. bizarre. Don't know why. Only um, on I'm DVD to, in 2017. I'm trying to source a copy for this next week's episode but i'm gonna have to rent it on amazon because it's just easier but yeah that is another red brown film and where he's joined by gene hackman and a few other famous faces including a young patrick swayze but yeah great cast i i love that film so i'll be really interested to talk about that one with you i i actually haven't seen it so i'm i am looking oh you haven't seen it oh it's great and it's in that wonderful genre that sub genre of nam films that are about going back and rescuing POWs. Now, I won't talk any more about it because I might ruin it for the listeners. <laughs> but no, I, lo- I love that film. So good. So next week, yeah, Uncommon Valor. Join us again for Merc Month 2 as we continue. Um, and we'll catch you next week, folks. And don't forget to leave a like, a review, a share, or whatever you're listening on. And you'll hear us again soon. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.